you know, I have a migraine every day. I have people tell me that. And I'm like, well, geez. Yeah. I mean, that's awful. That's and then we life. talk about it and it ends up being like a tension headache. Welcome to Harmonized Health. Escape the medical matrix. Here, you'll gain a new perspective on medicine by showcasing alternative health in all its forms while digging into some medical science and philosophy. You'll gain knowledge about how to care for yourself and your family by building a solid foundation of health that includes movement, sunlight, breathing, diet, sleep, joy, connection, and purpose. All right, welcome back to Harmonized Health. I'm your host, Dr. Damon, with my co-host here. How you doing, everybody? Dr. Daniel Nikens here. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about migraines today. So it's a big topic. And for that reason, we are going to be doing a two-parter. So today's going to be part one. Next week, we'll go into part two. And this way, we can hit all the topics that we really wanted to. The first thing is, well, what is a migraine? What is a migraine? Seems like Everybody has a migraine that comes in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bad headache equals migraine. Yeah. And, well, that's just not the case. Right. Um, it can give you an idea if it's a migraine. But as we'll learn, you don't really need pain for a migraine. Right. Did yeah, you know that's that? Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah, so you can actually have migraines. And actually, I did. I haven't had one in a while, but I thought I was having a stroke. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. It was probably about like eight or 10 years ago. And I remember I started having these little swiggly lines in the side of my eye and my <laughs> in the side of my vision. And I'm like, what is that? And it like started getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, whoa, like this is, this is nuts. And then I started like <laughs> over time, it was probably about five minutes later, I started losing some of that vision. And I was like, this is I don't know if I should go to the hospital or what, like right now. So I was getting a little freaked out. And um, yeah, I had no pain, you know. So I was like, maybe maybe I am having a stroke. I don't know what's going on. Like I can still move. I can, you know, my face feels fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, so come to find out it was a migraine. And um, yeah, but I had no pain. So you don't need that to actually have a migraine as we'll get into. But we'll start off with some of the theories because... You know, really, they don't know what causes a migraine, you yeah. know? So we do have different theories, and some make a little bit more sense to me than others. But, um, yeah, you got, we'll, give, we'll give more of the details here, and then people can kind of figure out which one makes more sense. And then, because if we understand, you know, more of the cause, that'll help us with any kind of treatment. Of course. You know, yeah. so... The main one, this one's been around for a long time, and I believe this is what we learned mainly in, in chiropractic school, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, is the vascular theory. So with this one, the main thing is you're having a fluctuation, kind of vacillating back and forth between vasodilation and vasoconstriction. And we don't know why that's happening, you know, a lot of ideas around serotonin since it's a vasoconstrictor and then the body kind of responds by going back into vasodilation mm -hmm. and kind of bounces back and forth because it's just a little unregulated at that point or dysregulated and so that's kind of the prevailing theory it does you know there there is a definite vascular component absolutely you know yeah. so then it's just is that the main thing you know is it is most of what's happening 
in the vasculature yeah is it, yeah, is it the only thing is it the only yeah, thing because you know? i think that's the thing too is um just like we talked about fibromyalgia you can have so many symptoms um and if your symptom is just you know a bad headache and something that messes with your vision a little bit well then it sounds like there could be a couple things that could cause that yeah right yeah. and so um vasoconstriction vasodilation I, I think that absolutely can have a component to it but then as we're going to talk about i mean there's other things that could cause those symptoms as well so maybe there are multiple causes and just like fibromyalgia that is what makes it difficult to diagnose makes it difficult to treat um get down you know get down to the bottom of it yeah so. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of why they use a lot of SSRIs, Mm -hmm. you know, in conventional medicine to treat migraines. Uh, One of the main uh, medications that they'll use, but obviously the triptans are usually the the number one, I believe. And so, but the SSRIs are going to be working on that serotonin, preventing it to come back into the neuron so that the body can use it a little bit longer. And that'll keep it you know, keep that constriction instead of dilation makes kind of sense. Um, you know, doesn't seem to work all yeah. that well, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so then, uh, but yeah, from, from there moving on to vascular or moving from vascular theory onto this one was kind of new for me. I didn't really, uh, I had to do a lot of research in yeah. this one. Yeah. I was very interested when I, when I started looking into it, it, it makes sense. Um, and I, I correlated a lot of it to the vagus nerve and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the vagus nerve, magnesium is going to be mm-hmm. a big player with this, calcium, and, and the electrolytes in general. Yeah. And so electrolytes, you know, we're using some kind of electrical signal um, utilizing those, those minerals. Yeah. And so kind of what happens with this theory um, I don't know if there's a name for this I was going to say, what are we going to name this theory? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is, so this book goes through it a lot, like a lot of details in this one, um, which What's is the name of that book? It's called Fighting the Migraine Epidemic. Okay. Complete Guide, How to Treat and Prevent Migraines Without Medications by Angela Stanton. And yeah, right. That's a long time. <laughs> but yeah, so it had a lot of good information. And, and so one of the big things that she does talk about in this is that Migraine people, she calls them migraineurs, which I did see in the research they call them that too, Hmm. is because people that get migraines have a certain brain structure. And according to possible evolutionary ideas is that they migraine people, people that get migraines, they are actually in tune to the environment to keep everybody else in the tribe or community safer, mm. you know, so they can, they can spot, you know, smells better. They can, you know, pick out things in the darkness. So they're very sensitive, which makes sense when you're having the migraine. What are some of the big symptoms? Mm. We didn't really get into the symptoms yet, but, you know, light sensitivity, yeah, light sensitivity smell smells, sensitivity. Yeah. You know, and so a lot of it did kind of make sense when I was looking into this. And so, yeah, through that theory is that um, in our past, in our species past, it made sense to have these certain individuals that could, you know, detect if there was predators or other kind of mm-hmm. danger in the, in the environment. So, and that's interesting. And then kind of what happens is that that kind of brain requires more energy and so it'll deplete energy pretty quickly Mm. 
So, you know, the, the glucose drops, ATP drops very quickly. And if it's not restored, um, and then also as that glucose is being depleted, we're going to lose sodium and potassium, that, that um, gradient between mm-hmm. the cells is going to get distorted. And so once that happens, you know, people often crave salt when they, when they are migranors and, mm-hmm. or, or sweets. So, but a lot of times the sweet craving is more for that salt, um, which is kind of, you know, counterproductive for the yeah. body to it. So I think there's a little dysregulation there too, but of course, yeah. But yeah, so and essentially the voltage of the cells in the neurons gets thrown off. And so and and you have to reestablish that voltage through either salt intake um you know, you got to be careful with any kind of glucose intake is kind of what she talks about too cuz um that'll that'll just make the the issue with the gradient worse and so and then obviously magnesium is playing a role like i talked about calcium um yeah and so there's just a lot of like kind of chaos going on yeah that's and, what i say it sounds like a lot of chaos yeah yeah <laughs> and so through like this cortical depression is what what they talk about is now the brain tries to do a hard reset because like we learned a little science here, but don't want to get too far into the weeds with it. But yeah. essentially, those there's a refractory period between when that that signal can be passed along, right? Mm-hmm. So after we get that depolarization of the the neuron and that signal starts to go down, we have this little period called the refractory period where there there can't be any more signal happening Mm -hmm. right and so what happens is that never gets back to baseline and so you can't send that signal so the brain or the body or the innate intelligence whatever you want to call it tries to do a hard reset and then that kind of has that spreading effect and if it happens in the occipital lobe then we get that aura that i was experiencing Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some people that have migraines don't get the aura. And so right. they'll, they'll have other symptoms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. And so there's, um, there's different areas of the brain that these things can happen to. So um, as we'll get into some more of the symptoms, maybe we can start to correlate what yeah. might be happening on yeah. the... The brain and area. so this this cortical depression or cortical spreading depression, um, it's it's really cool. Did you see any like videos when you were when you were I uh, didn't doing know. so? It's really cool because they have all this different imaging now that you know today that we have, and you can actually visibly see uh, like the depolarization spread like slowly across the brain. And so all the videos they spread it up, but or they speed it up. Sorry, by like fifty times, right? But you can see like the the depolarization moving across the brain and it actually is a wave that moves across the brain and it's Whoa. it's just it's incredible the technology that we have to be able to monitor that and watch it right um, and now they correlate that directly with this aura that we have 
with these migraines. So mm. if anything, if you were to Google now what causes an aura and a migraine, this is the answer that you're going to get. Yeah. And this isn't an answer that we even had, you know, no. whatever, a couple years ago. Years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, 10 years ago. It's not an answer that we had. So it's really awesome to see that, like we mentioned before, when we were in school, there's vasoconstriction, vasodilation, or uh, heck if I know, (laughs) you know, like just good luck treating it. And that was very, I remember that being very frustrating in school because you're passionate and you're like, I want to help everybody. I want to be able, I want to be the doctor that people come with migraines. I'm going to be the miracle worker and change their life. And I want to be able to, you know, be the you know, be the best I can be for my patients. And then when you're like, well, what causes a migraine? They're like, well, you know, vasoconstriction, vasodilation, you know, watch out for stress or blood pressure, this and that. And you're like, okay, well, what if that's all fine? Like, (laughs) I don't know, know. go ask someone else. And so (laughs) it's cool to see now that at least we have a little something, Mm -hmm. you know, another little puzzle piece, because health is all about puzzle pieces. There's very, I mean, there is obviously when it's just cut and dry this or that, but there's very often times where it's puzzle pieces. You got to find one little answer, another little answer, another little answer, and put them all together to help out the big picture. And this research is is something that was just fascinating to to be able to find now that we have some kind of correlation, something that we can work on, mm-hmm. something that we can try and, and we can help our patients with. So um, cortical spreading depression, I yeah, I would... I would Makes advise sense. you to, yeah, Google it, look into it a little yeah. bit, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening in today, because it, it is new, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously salt is going to be big for these individuals, you know, so yeah. obviously we want to determine what kind of salt is best, you know, so I think typically your sea salts are going to be mm-hmm. the best option. You know, electrolyte mixes can be great. I know you want to, you know, be careful with too much potassium. Um, What do you you think about those liquid IVs? Because I feel like that's going to be the first thing someone's going to ask when they hear that. Uh, For somebody with this issue? Yeah. If we're Mm. saying salts and and electrolytes and all that, what's your your take on liquid Hmm. IV? I know that's a little bit of a... It's a little tangent. Yeah. We can go down tangent. It doesn't have like to be it. long, but I feel like that would be the first thing. Oh, salt and, and electrolytes. Okay, yeah. well, I get a migraine. I'm going to take a liquid yeah. IV. Yeah. Get the saline, get the, <clears throat> you know, other components, maybe B vitamins. Since yeah. st- if stress is a trigger, B vitamins could be. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be hit or miss maybe. Yeah. You know, might as well like, give it a shot. You could give it a shot. Yeah. I don't know if it would, you know, so like if somebody's already having the migraine, and maybe there are those individuals that it lasts for days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Then you might want to try it and yeah. see. That's true. I've had yeah. patients that are debilitated for like a week yeah. when migraines come. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's that's one of those things is how long do these things last for some people? You know, sometimes it's, it's a day. Sometimes it's several days. It yeah. can be, you know, even weeks sometimes. So, yeah, it's uh, that would be a good, yeah. good kind of I, – I would definitely keep it on the treatment, you know, protocol I, like a kind of template yeah you know, so yeah, i was more was just like, kind of curious of your thought on you know like the quality yeah but i wonder if yeah <laughs> yeah so for me it's also like are you so now you're bypassing some of the sensors in the mouth mm-hmm. that might be responding to the salt taste yeah and that might not be so good for somebody like this so it they're their body's trying to crave that salt mm-hmm. for a reason. Now you you consume it through maybe even just 
putting some salt into your mouth or, you know, or you dissolve it in some water. But you, I think you might get a better signal to the brain that way than if it just comes through your venous system. Mm. I don't know. Interesting, though. Yeah. You know, maybe a combo of the two, obviously. Like, that could be something. But, yeah, everybody's probably a little different. And I could see some people not getting any benefit from an IV. But, mm. yeah. Um, uh, that's... Or at least for that, you know, issue. Yeah. That's funny. I used to um, I used to work in a chiropractic office that was part IV as well, um, and I would I would say the same thing uh, sometimes. You know, your body craves things for specific reasons and in specific ways, and if you just enter it straight to the bloodstream, uh, it's great sometimes because you know there's things that happen as it you know goes into the stomach and things break down and this and that so sometimes it goes straight to the bloodstream that's fantastic sometimes your body needs all of those other signals and, and pathways and stuff um yeah i but, completely uh, agree with that so that's also this is another little tangent but when you're you know you eat food i was actually having this conversation with a patient yesterday was you know we want to get those pre-signals mm -hmm. that this food is coming into our body and so if we're cooking that food or somebody <laughs> is nearby cooking that food, we're getting all those smells. We're yeah. sitting there. We're in a relaxed environment. We're with loved ones, all these kind of things. And, and now when we go to eat that food, our body's already prepped because it, it got the smells of that particular food, right. those spices, whatever. And now we have the right microbiome maybe shift, the, mi the right pH drop in the stomach. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, I think, outside of, you know, what we kind of perceive right. that can really yeah, have an that impact. That we even bother but, focusing in on. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back in a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of the, the two big theories we would touch on. I think there's probably others, um, but yeah, you know, and, and then the combinations and all that kind of stuff. But we can kind of hit on some of more of the, the symptoms so people can kind of get a better idea of if they experience these things. And, um, yeah, because it, it is still a little confusing. But we did touch yeah, on a few of them absolutely. already. So, um, I'm, I mean, real quick, I, I can give like a rundown of, of the different headaches and you can chime in. Yeah, right? we can do that too. I think that's a big sure. thing that, uh, like I said before, like before we started, like it's sciatica. You know, somebody comes mm. in with pain in the back of their leg and it's automatically sciatica and that's just not how it works, right? <laughs> but that's how we categorize yep. it. And it's the same with migraines. You come in with a bad headache, I have a migraine today. I get migraines all the time. You know, I have a migraine every day. I have people tell me that. And I'm like, well, geez. Yeah. I mean, that's awful. That's and then we life. talk about it and it ends up being like a tension headache. Yeah. Which is very, very common and could lead, you know, could yeah. could uh, definitely assist in getting you some extra migraines. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially the, the main headache that I see is tension headaches. And so that comes from tension, stress, um, a lot of pulling. I say like reins on the back of your skull, all these muscles that insert to the back of the skull. Uh, the base of the skull there and you tend to get like a headband like distribution um, so that's where you get you know maybe pain in the temples base of the skull back of the neck and it's just that uncomfortable tension uh, style headache uh, you get cluster headaches which are uh, kind of behind the eye right yeah, and so it kind of feels like that hot poker yeah. uh, in the eye which is sounds awful yeah. I've never experienced that no um, I have had one patient tell me that and I remember I was new into practice and he was like, yeah, it feels like I have just like, like a, um, 
in school they always said an ice pick, but it was like like a knife or something in my eye, and I was like, I freaked out. My first <laughs> my first thing was like, what? And I'm like doing eye exam, on, you know, doing an eye exam on this person, and everything, you know, making sure that they they don't have like blood vessels exploding in yeah. their skull or something. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, cluster headache, and uh, and I was able to kind of dial in a little better, uh, but that freaked me out. So cluster headache just sounds awful, but yeah, that hot poker in the eye. Yeah. Um, and then uh, anything else other than migraine? Cervicogenic. Cervicogenic. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cervicogenic tension. Yeah. Very um, similar. Yeah. So very similar in distribution, and if anything, can be very similar in cause mm-hmm. too. Usually they go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but then migraine tends to be that fifty percent split of the head, so like left or right side of the whole face, head, um, back of the you know neck, or, um, back of the skull, neck. It splits in half and it is just that, you know, it can be debilitating pain or like you said, no pain, but that aura is is usually associated with it. And that's considered classic migraine. Yes. And then without an aura. No, sorry. No? That's common. Okay. Common migraine. Common migraine. Yes. Okay. And then without aura, um, they have a name for that though. Is that classic? Classic. Okay. That's classic. Okay. 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 I I probably believe that. Yeah. We're we're on the right track with that, but yeah. I know the common <laughs> the common one is with the pain, and yeah. So the classic, I believe, is doesn't have pain, um, but yeah, or, or it doesn't have the aura. One of those two. Yeah, there's kind of with and without aura, yeah. but nonetheless, the aura is usually the the symptom that when someone says, okay, well, I have this like, you know, right-sided pain in my head and it's affecting my vision and smell and I can't go to work. I don't even want to get up. I can't look at anything. Okay. You're starting to get migraines. Right. And so it's just worth differentiating instead of, you know, something that might be a tension headache because it's going to be treated very differently. And oftentimes you'll see patients have called their headaches migraines for so long that if you try to tell them they're not migraines, they almost don't like it. Yeah. Um, But it does get in the way of how you go about treating it sometimes, you know, if you're if you're attached to that title. Um, So nonetheless, and and anything else that you have to add, of course. Yeah. um, But I think that's a a good rundown of kind of these common different types of headaches. Of course, you got to worry about, you know, stuff like stroke and blah, blah, blah. That's that's a different story. Um, yeah, but gotta, I don't think worth getting into today. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we gotta make sure there's nothing ain't you know too intense, and so, but there's almost always or possibly always a digestive component mm. to it. You know, they're they're typically gonna have some form of nausea, even vomiting. Um, you know, could have some constipation. There's there's always that that digestive GI tract concern going on and maybe this is also one of the reasons that we're getting the migraines you know Mm -hmm. as a on my end in the functional medicine side you know we always consider the gut you know whether it's the the true cause or you know just contributing um or it's a top down where the stress is slowing that motility in the gi system Mm -hmm. you know changing our enzyme production changing that hcl production and so yeah where we usually want to address both, you know, doing some of those vagal toning exercises, the diaphragmatic activation, yeah. breathing exercises, while also treating the gut. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I saw an article when it came to this cortical spreading depression. Uh, they actually found that vagus nerve stimulation, um, it was shown to decrease this, this uh, cortical spreading depression by about 40%. 
mm. in like 30 minutes. Whereas any medication that they have was not that effective and definitely not that fast. And so just a vagus nerve stimulation, which, you know, like I said, I'm glad you kind of threw that in there, um, was shown to work really well with helping this aura and everything and, and with these migraines. Uh, and that's not something that we typically had a lot of research that, that we could really put on paper for people um, because, again, we didn't even have this technology before. So it's really cool to see, you know, maybe some things that chiropractors or functional medicine docs have been saying for a long time now, we're starting to get a little bit of science that's mm -hmm. actually backing it up, which is always encouraging. Um, but, yeah, that was that was really cool to see. So kind of, yeah, how can we how can we work on controlling this vagal tone? Um, and all that. So that, that's a. Do you have any go-to vagal toning exercises? Well, I mean, there's always the classic, you know, like uh, swallowing, singing, mm -hmm. humming. Yeah, um, all good ones. Right yeah, there. diaphragmatic breathing, uh, like you said. Um, there's kind of the manual aspect of, of working the musculature, kind of digging in there around in the neck mm -hmm. uh, to try and, and uh, you know, do some vagal stimulation. So um, there's different things. I've even seen uh, breathing exercises um, and eye exercises. Have mm -hmm. you ever seen the ocular? Yep. Yeah. With mm -hmm. yeah, okay. I use that a lot. Do you? Yeah. Do you? So honestly, I, I wasn't familiar with that, but mm -hmm. I saw it and it was really cool because when we talk about migraines and aura and eyes and, you know, how does, how does, you know, maybe something, cause I'm coming at it from a more physical approach. How does something like a posture or, uh, you know, muscle tone or whatever, even when it comes to like blood pressure, things like that, how does that, well, I mean, blood pressure is easy, but yeah. how does that affect your eyes? And yeah. how would, I guess, what I would what I would say is how does, like, movements of your eyes affect actual, you know, muscle tone or affect your vagus nerve, essentially? And that's mm -hmm. kind of the answer is the vagus nerve. Yeah. And so that's what tends to correlate and connect all these things together. And I think that that's where the difficulty with migraines comes in is that this vagus nerve affects so much in your body that it's it's easy to get these crazy symptoms that don't really have a connection or a correlation mm -hmm. um, until you start to add in more pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things that I've, I've went over, but yeah, I'm sure you have a lot more experience <laughs> no, no, with, with, uh, with that. So. Yeah. I always start with the breathing. I mean, that's cause almost everybody's going to have some form of dysfunctional breathing. Yeah. And so if you can start to kind of work with that diaphragm, which is going to, be innervated also by the vagus nerve, but also the phrenic nerve. And so, yeah, we got to get that diaphragm descending. Mm -hmm. As it descends, you know, you're accessing those lower parts of the lungs, which have receptors to tell your brain that it, you're in a calm state. If you're breathing with that apical or the upper portion of your lungs, then there's receptors there that tell your brain that you're in a stressful, you're, you're you know, stressed, there's that you're vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, in a you're activating <laughs> those accessory breathing muscles and, and, and you're actually getting less oxygen in too. Mm -hmm. So there's better uh, oxygen and carbon dioxide transfer at those lower portions of the lungs. Absolutely. And yeah, and so we also, we also see a lot of low blood pressure with people that have migraines too, which goes back to that vagus nerve mm -hmm. activating the parasympathetic properly 
you know, keeping that sympathetic balanced properly. Yeah. And yeah. And then back to your eye uh, comment. Mm -hmm. And so the eyes actually have a a connection to those suboccipital muscles. And so the drill that I have people typically do, sometimes I'll do this with people in office if they're having something like this, like a Mm -hmm. migraine, is I can place my fingers right on those suboccipital muscles. You know, they're lying with I have my hand very lightly touching those those muscles and so they're lying face up in the supine position and I just have them nice and easy look all the way to the right and then we count to 30 seconds they come back to neutral let let the eyes kind of rest because you'll you'll realize that it's actually a little straining yeah you know people don't do don't utilize that like far yeah. look with the eyes anymore so then we go to the left for 30 seconds and you will literally feel that atlas at C1 start come mm. back into better movement with wow. that C2 relationship too. Yeah. So it's it's pretty fascinating. And so I, I like to use that, especially for people that don't want to have the high velocity adjust, adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, we can use that too instead yeah. of like the activator and, and get that uh, reset for them too yeah. and better, better uh, vertebral artery you know, getting that yeah. kind of blood flow going there. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've even seen people like they'll get like swelling in, in one eye, like their one eye, it'll just, it'll puff up. It'll, it'll be all tight and, mm-hmm. you know, irritated. Their vision is messed up on that side. Um, and then just like you're saying, but you know, a little different, um, that like little bit of muscle work and like even a light adjustment, like I'm talking like activator, yeah. it doesn't even have to be a manual adjustment. But that light adjustment and swelling just disappears. Really, and it's crazy. It's That's crazy. Awesome. And I've uh, I do a lot of work when it comes to migraines with like the occiput because, uh, like, I mean, the whole reason that w- you and I work so well together, even mm-hmm. on this podcast, is I like to focus so much on this musculoskeletal mm-hmm. aspect of of treating patients. Um, and when it comes to the base of the skull and there are all these nerves and everything that exit the base of the skull, they have to go through the neck like Mm -hmm. to get where they need to be and there's so much musculature um and just joints and joint space and and these issues you know how joints glide and how much room you're leaving for things um that just like resetting the occiput (laughs) sounds aggressive right but kind of gapping that occiput and where the skull sits on the neck uh, and adjusting those first couple vertebrae puts me really in a classic chiropractor stance but man it has a it has a crazy impact uh on these nerves that are leaving the skull and so i don't want to be too crazy like people listening like oh gosh this guy's crazy but um i work with uh decompression with the occiput and so one of those things that that has gotten as a fad kind of on like TikTok and Instagram and everything is that Y strap adjustment where they'll pull and they will rip you up the table have you ever done the Y strap <clears throat> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, I have. Um, and I, when I started with it, I was ripping people up the table. Um, now, that's not really the case. I found that it's not totally necessary. Um, but just a little, a little, you know, it's all about being quick mm-hmm. in chiropractic, just yep. that little pull. And what it does is it gaps those joints. And so from a musculoskeletal standpoint, why we adjust 
patients is because we're adding range of motion into the joints and the joints rotate, they side bend, they flex, extend, but they also need to move up and down. They need to, they need that pumping action. Mm -hmm. um, and that motion can get restricted just the same as rotation, side bend, and, and it can have effects just the same, if not worse, because it can kind of affect both sides. And so nonetheless, I find yeah. that as we do that distraction, um, it takes this pressure off of the base of the skull where you have all these nerves and arteries and veins and everything exiting the skull or entering the skull, which is important too. Um, and it just, it alleviates. I've had people, yeah, that pressure uh, will just dissipate from their eye with headaches. Um, they say they see colors brighter. They can smell better. Um, I have people that are like, I just want to get up and go for a run. Like I just feel energized. Like I, ha I have an energy that I didn't have before. Um, people that I've had headaches for like a decade straight get up just and cry because they're gone. And these are people that have seen chiropractors that tell me they don't like chiropractors uh, because they haven't done anything for them. But there's something about the base of the skull and actually kind of gapping that those joints mm -hmm. that gets overlooked because it's very difficult to do. Um, and not a lot of people are excited for it. But nonetheless, those nerves, they exit, they go down uh, the neck. Like you mentioned, the vertebral arteries, um, we're getting blood flow from those. That's adding into the blood flow to the occiput. Um, I'm sorry, the occipital lobe. Mm -hmm. And so that, as we know, is, is going with eyes. That yep. kind of correlates with eyes. Oh, so yeah. that makes sense with migraine and aura. The visual um, center. Yep. Yeah. And if you think even with, you know, blood pressure and how that can affect a vessel, um, you know, that can that can definitely irritate a tiny little foreman that all these things are going through if even just blood pressure is, mm -hmm. is uh, you know, affected or, or if there's tension, yeah, on a nerve and, and that can kind of pull on other things. And then the other note that I had was, was even uh, postural and how uh, even that vagus nerve as it leaves the skull and comes down the neck, it goes in front of your subclavian artery, which we know, like your first thought, I see your eyes looking. The, what we know about the subclavian artery when you say that is TOS. So a mm, thoracic outlet yep. syndrome, your subclavian artery can actually be kind of pinched and you'll get numbness, tingling going out and kind of like the whole hand, arm, everything. Mm -hmm. Well, your vagus nerve is in front of that. So if, if we know and we've documented now that the subclavian artery can be pinched off essentially to an extent, right? I mean, you're not, your arm's not dying on you. Um, but it can be pinched off. Well, if this nerve goes right in front of it, now that's getting squeezed even between that as well. And so yeah. if we can think of a pressure on the, the vagus nerve coming from the skull and how that can affect gut and our gut brain, you know, like, oh, yeah, it, it makes connected. sense, right? Mm -hmm. It just it makes sense. But the problem is, is there's a lot to do about it. Yeah. So there is postural work that we can do muscle work, eye movement exercises to reset. There is, you know, yeah, adjustments, gapping the skull and working on keeping the skull over your shoulders, kind of where they need to be. We're so slouched. We do everything in fetal position. Um, there is vagus nerve stimulation and, and all these things we can work on. There's uh, electrolyte imbalances and, and you know, leaky uh, barriers and stuff that, that mm, we can focus yeah. on. Oh, yeah. um, so there is so much that comes to this migraine uh, or a person's migraine that we need to start to focus in on what might be this cause because it's probably not just, yeah. it could be yeah. vasoconstriction, vasodilation. But if it's not, I feel like that's 
kind of easy to differentiate. Yeah. Like, oh, that's probably not doing it for you. So that's what where, else? That's where taking that good history, you know, <laughs> yeah. gets us a, a long way. And then, yeah, if we do any kind of lab work to see inflammation, you know, inflammation's yeah. a big player in all mm-hmm. these things. So, yeah, that can help. But I had a question for you that okay. came up when you were talking there. And when you're resetting the occiput, mm-hmm. right, getting that better motion, are you restoring the innate intelligence? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> if someone were to ask me if I was restoring their innate intelligence, I personally would tell them no. Mm-hmm. I would say, no, I'm not restoring your innate intelligence. What I would say is your body, my answer would be that your body was beautifully designed. Your body knows how to work and fix itself. And people would say that's innate intelligence. Sure. But I wouldn't say that like I'm restoring it. I would say (laughs) everything I'm going to say is going to answer back to yes, you're restoring it. (laughs) But like your body is, is beautiful and and it can work and it can fix things on its own. Um, But we also work actively to inhibit that. And we, we sit all day, we have poor posture, we have poor diets, we don't use our range of motion, we don't even sleep in good position, we sit in a car for hours at a time. Um, I tell my patients all the time, it takes one minute to stretch a muscle to get some length in it, and we'll sit in some wonky position in a car for an hour a day, no problems, no questions asked. Like We do so much to inhibit the proper function of our body that I don't like to say that I'm restoring it because then I got to go down a whole nother rabbit <laughs> hole. Um, but what I do say is just, you know, we're giving it, we're giving it a little kick. Like we're, we're giving you an increased range of motion and, and there's still work to do. Um, because when you say you're restoring something, I feel like that kind of cuts it off. And that's where my qualm is. It's like, oh yeah, I adjusted you and I restored your innate, intelli- innate mm-hmm. intelligence. So, so now you're fine. And that's not, true at all i mean that's where people see a chiropractor twice a week until they're fed up of giving them money and then they're like yeah i felt better but it never got better Mm. and so i don't like to say i'm restoring innate intelligence (laughs) but um i so they're not going to stand up and be cured that's not it happens (laughs) it happens it It does does. it It absolutely does Um, but there are definitely components where, you know, I say I'm not, you know, maybe we're not restoring innate intelligence, but we're restoring function. Um, and function can either stay or it can go depending on where you go from that. Whereas in my mind, if I say I'm restoring innate intelligence, it's like, I'm fixing like, yeah, your, your innate intelligence for some reason couldn't keep up. Mm-hmm. And I just am the miracle worker that could say, Hey, here you go. Innate <laughs> intelligence. You're welcome. Like Maui, like, what can I say? You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, and now your innate intelligence is just gonna, it's, it's good. I fixed it. You're going to go and heal yourself. And so I feel like it almost, it becomes like a, it becomes like an escape phrase where I can say, Oh, we're just restoring your innate intelligence. Like, Oh, it needs to do the work. If it's mm-hmm. not working, well then I need to keep restoring it. And uh, so that's why I need to keep coming in here. So it just, it doesn't seem uh, like a, a good answer to I me, see. but essentially I can't, I can't really say no yeah. as I give, like, as you can see, yeah. as I give my answer, <laughs> I can't really say no. Um, 
but I just don't like to use that verbiage. Yeah, so yeah. I, that, I like to come at it at a different approach. Mm-hmm. And I will spend just that much time talking with <laughs> yes. my patients. I will. No problem. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, but that's so that we're on the same page with that. I don't like to use catch-all terms and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. But it is a good question. Yeah. Oh, for sure. A good, you know, you know thought-provoking yeah. question. Yeah. And then, you know, for like you were talking about, you need that space that kind of uh, vertical spacing between the, the vertebrae there and getting those hydra- the discs hydrated. And so yes. it comes down to, you know, moving the way we were designed. You know, we don't do that much in our modern society. You know, um, swimming, uh, another big one where it's going to take some emphasis off. But the, mm-hmm. the, the big thing that kind of came to mind was sleep. Yes. I think you did mention sleep too. Is like, you know, if we're getting that proper sleep that we need, that's the time where everything kind of comes back and you're yeah. what, like an inch taller or something in the morning, yeah, you, wanna, yeah, yeah, you know? Same. And so if you're not getting, you know, if you're losing two hours of sleep each night, you know, probably not getting that proper hydration, then obviously diet plays a role and, and then the electrolytes like we talked about yeah. and all the salt. So yeah, there's a lot to it and it all kind of comes back around. <laughs> But we can get, we can kind of get back to some of the uh, some of the talks on the migraine, and then we'll finish up and we'll leave everything else for for next week. Yeah, you know, we'll good. talk about some of the nutrients here next week. We can add in some of those herbal therapies that are that are known, mm-hmm. and some of the other treatments. Um, but we do want to kind of mention a little bit more on the the nutrition side, the nutrient yes. side. The big one for me, you know, magnesium. It's mm-hmm. a huge player. And so it's going to help balance the calcium. So calcium is a big player too, but they need to kind of play together nicely. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's, and, a, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and calcium seems to get a little chaotic in the body sometimes. Um, you know, we, we hear it as calcification. So a lot of that's going to come to the second one I have on the list here is K2. I don't think it gets mentioned a lot with migraines, mm. but that K2, that vitamin K2, a fat-soluble vitamin, is going to help put the calcium where it needs to be, mm-hmm. whether that's the bones, the muscles, you know, wherever it needs to go into the brain. And so I think that's another big one is that K2. You know, now you see a lot of those products, D3, K2 combination, but we want to have a specific form of K2. And you really only get that from food. It's hard to get, though, you know, so it's I see why they went with the supplement, but they usually sell it in the MK7 form. We want the MK4 mainly Mm. and, you know, things like uh, you write that down. But yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I need need that. Uh, You know, butter's a butter's a pretty good one. Ghee's a pretty good one, you know, and then there's like natto in the the Japanese when they make natto, it's not very tasty. A lot of people say, I haven't tried it, but um, that's one of the, the forms to get. So it, it's tough to get in, you know, if you follow the Weston A. Price kind of diet, which is, you know, usually where I start with a lot of people, since it's not very restrictive and you learn that food relationship like we talked about. But, you know, they have even some ways to get it into the body, like this high vitamin butter oil. Um, emu oil is very high mm. in, in K2 too. So, you know, they're supplements, but they're also kind of whole food supplements. So, yeah. and good ways to get, and you're also going to get a lot of the DHA, which is very important for the brain there too. So, you know, we get that a lot from our seafood, grass fed meats, those kind of things, but getting that DHA, which is one of the omega threes, 
you know, that's going to mm-hmm. really help the brain just in general and kind of, you know, get the, the cell membranes, you know, a better structure yeah. there. Yep. Um, and, and then riboflavin's known for migraines. Um, I don't know exactly why specifically my, <laughs> riboflavin, but that's uh, one of our B vitamins, B2. And it's just been shown, you know, in some of the research that B2 riboflavin does have an effect. It might be, you know, maybe somebody's or migranors are low on B2 and it could have something to do with the mitochondria and how that energy flows. You know, a lot of those B vitamins are involved with that energy production, mm-hmm. all those pathways. And so I would imagine that niacin B3 and, and thiamine B1 and all those are probably involved too, especially right. if stress, you know, with stress, we deplete our B vitamins, we deplete our magnesium. So that could be where all these are kind of coming in. So, but yeah, those are kind of the big ones, you know, that I think of yeah. on just like specific nutrients. Obviously, these all have to be complexed with other nutrients, especially the fat solubles, you know, your A, your D, your K, yeah. even E. Well, they all have to go to you for, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you don't want to load up on one because yeah. then, you know, now the body's a little unbalanced again. So, yeah. and we want balance between the structure, the musculoskeletal structure, like that you work a lot on, but, you know, internally we want a lot of balance too. So, and so, yeah, those are the things. And then, I think insulin resistance is is a big player with a lot of this too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So insulin resistance, inflammation, they kind of go hand in hand. Insulin's going to have a lot of effect with your estrogen, your estrogens and testosterone and your sex hormones. And so, you know, obviously a lot of times we'll see migraines correspond with female cycles, you know. Yeah. So. That was one of my, my thoughts, too, even on, uh, you know, just typically who, who presents to me with migraines is usually like, it's usually like a thinner female, mm-hmm. yep. um, any, any age range, really. Yeah. Um, but we have to think into, yeah, the hormonal aspect of that. And then we also have to think into like the anatomical structure of that, too. Um, muscle health and, and uh, yeah. tone and, and posture and all those things. So it is, it is very typically like, doesn't, doesn't really matter age, mm-hmm. but it is very typically like a thinner female that I've, that I've seen actual true migraines for from. For sure. For sure. You get tension headaches that can be horrible. Mm-hmm. They can be horrible, but they're still tension headaches and yeah. they still respond to treatment Yeah, as, as such. Yeah. But true migraines where they're like, I've had treatment before. I've done this. I've ran. I've tried everything, and I get awful migraines. It's always like the thinner female. Yep. For me, I completely um, agree. Yeah. I see it and a lot. so it is. It is. Yeah. Worth noting uh, the hormonal side of it, um, but it is worth noting, um, even just for me, like the the anatomical. Like, where is your posture? Where is your muscle tone? How is your breathing? Um, you know, when when we see. Uh, the biggest thing that I give for migraines is breathing. I stick with that. Um, you had mentioned, you know, some other things that you'll work on, but breathing for me, uh, what that does, like you talked about, it, it works with those upper muscles in the ribs, uh, teaches you to, to breathe through the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to let all the muscles in the 
upper ribs that are accessory muscles that kind of lift you up to help you get a full breath and use the apex of the lungs. Um, it tells them, hey, look, you can calm down. We're not running. We're mm -hmm. not in a full sprint right <laughs> yeah. now. Um, you can belly breathe, and that calms you down. But that also helps with all those muscles up there that I work with, all yeah. the scalenes and and uh, always and yeah, everything in there that just elevates the upper traps. And um, there's even an aspect of, of the accessory nerve that I won't even get into today. <laughs> um, but there is that kind of postural. So um, I was going to ask. Yeah. I was going to ask because yeah, it's been we'll like, finish up with this. And it's we'll it's <laughs> been a long time week, now, right? Sure. <laughs> but I was going to ask. So you know, I. I I teach middle schoolers. So yeah. what, what is your, what is your advice for, what can someone take away from this to kind of work on at home um, on your end of the page? Yeah. I'm, you know, we <clears throat> talked a lot about breathing. And so I think that's probably where I would start. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's cheap because it's cheap. free. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and you can do it at any moment. You can be stuck in traffic and you can work on your breathing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take any point of the day and work on yeah. this. And so, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just focus on breathing through your nose. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the first thing. So that the nose is built for breathing. The mouth is there if we need it. You know, yeah. if we need to get that extra oxygen in, you know, we're sprinting. You know, we got to yeah. get away from the cops. I mean, the tiger, you know, we're sprinting. <laughs> and so we need to get that extra oxygen in. And so that's where we can utilize that, the mouth and, and bring in that quick, you know, oxygen right. and then go back to the nasal breathing. Mm -hmm. So, but the nose is made for that. You know, we have filters, you know, it humidifies, it does a lot of different mm -hmm. things. And it just helps activate that diaphragm too. Okay. And so also, you know, when you're breathing through the nose, you want to kind of have that mouth shut, you know, not, no, no tension though, no tension in those <laughs> jaws. So yeah, we'll see a lot of clenching. Um, but the tongue should sit at the roof of the mouth. It's mm. difficult. It was very difficult for me to switch to that. Um, just because I realized that my face structure, my oral cavity did not develop properly. Mm. You know, one reason why, you know, I had to get all four wisdom teeth out and, all, you know, all of it kind of made sense. Yeah. And so it was really hard for me to keep my tongue at the roof of the mouth. But over time, you know, I did even notice that that top portion of my oral cavity started to expand. And I could breathe mm. through my nose better, didn't get as many sinus issues. Um, I still notice that the right side of my tongue doesn't doesn't have as much activation, so I try to work on that a lot. And yeah, it's kind of interesting that once you start to do that over time, and you breathe through your nose more, you just become calmer. You yeah. know, you're you're way more resilient, you, and you're not. You're, <laughs> you know, yeah, I do my meditations and breath work and all that stuff, but you know, that was a big component of it, and it changed how. You know, I used to get a lot of dry mouth and all those kind of things from breathing through the through my mouth, and that all changed. Yeah. You know, so then the pH, the saliva, everything started to work better, you yeah. know, and my digestion got better. So even just working on breathing, you know, had a big effect on a lot of the other things that were happening. So I think that's where I would start. That was a long answer, but, yeah, I would start with just <laughs> breathing through the nose because it's very simple and, yeah, you know, it's yeah. hard, actually. It was hard for me. No, absolutely. If somebody yeah. doesn't do it, but it's it's a good that's a good answer. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it gives you that little, you know, what can I work on? Like, yeah, a health journey is a journey. And where, where are my first steps? Mm-hmm. You know, what I look back on, kind of what are the foundations to build on? And I, I agree. I think breathing is, is probably number one. Numero uno. Yeah. Numero yeah. uno. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it, it, it helps with everything. Helps mm-hmm. with helps you calm down. Helps with perfusion. It helps, you know, even those deep breaths, and you really stretch those lungs. You know, yeah. I, I get a blood rush every time I do yeah. that. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm sitting down too long, take a nice deep breath. I feel my, my heart rate kick up. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's important. Um, and I would I would agree with that. I would say that's probably number one. And the only thing that I would uh, add in is just to add on onto like your posture when you're breathing. Yeah. And so you already talked about tongue for, sure. for the mouth, but, uh, I always, my go-to one of my starts with any patient really that comes in, cause typically everyone needs it <laughs> is Brugger's exercise. Okay. And I don't go through the full Brugger's exercise. And if you're listening, it's Brugger's like Freddy Krueger, but with a B. So B R U E G G E R S Brugger's. You should Google I don't it. think that's how you spell Krueger though. Is it not K R U E? I think it's one G. Krueger. Well, you know yeah. what? I quit. I, I, no. you there. <laughs> I quit. Well, it sounds the same, right? Yeah. And if you Google it, no matter how you spell it, you're going to find Somebody that's it. like a Friday 13th, like huge fan. Is They're going like, to write us a mean email. Yeah. We're going to get our first email. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, if you're, if you're looking up like B-R-O-O-G, whatever, you might not find it, right? But it's, it's similar to Kruger, okay, and, that, and yeah, that's yeah. I'm gonna have to change there my spiel. Thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah. Now you're gonna throw me <laughs> off. Um, but what it is, it's a postural exercise that works on activating the transverse abdominis, which is your true core, not the cool six pack that everyone's going for, but the transverse abdominis, uh, belly breathing, so diaphragmatic breathing, and then you're working on keeping your shoulders back and down, your chin retracted, so you're not looking up in the air, you're not looking down at the floor, but you're sliding, you're translating your head back. Um, and then you kind of, I add in, I, I go as far as opening the arms, like elbows pinned to the side, opening the arms. And everybody always goes in that classic, like meditative position and goes on nice. and they laugh. And I'm like, yeah, but that's good. That's where you want to be. So that's great. <laughs> and go. then you work on belly breathing, nice deep breaths, and then you can shake it off and go back to what you're doing. Um, you know, work wise or whatever, cause you can't just levitate around in, mm-hmm. in this meditative <laughs> position. Uh, but it gives you somewhere anatomically to go to when you don't know where to go, but you know your posture is bad. So you can focus on your breathing with that as well. Absolutely. It is, I, I categorize it as a breathing exercise. Oh yeah. Um, but then this gives you kind of the anatomical place of where to go while you're doing it. So you can work on tongue on the roof of the mouth. You can work on chin retraction, shoulders back and down because they're always hiked up and pulled yep. forward. Uh, you work on activating your core. Uh, and I, I think that's a really great spot to start, especially when it comes to uh, to migraines. For sure. Um, and, and you'll notice even just the postural aspect of that, like, pounding that you can get in the skull. If you just retract that chin back, you can take so much pressure, stretch out those suboccipital muscles and everything. And you'll come to find, like we said with these puzzle pieces, the other little things that start to add on to your migraine, too. Um, and And posture and breathing and everything i think that's a good starting point so. yeah yeah and then you add in some salt and <coughs> you should be feeling pretty and i was good. gonna say yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of dietary side yeah, yeah. yeah. so working on electrolytes i yeah. guess would would be your answer yeah, throwing in some you. sea salt into into your water and so simple uh when you're drinking your water throughout the day and this can be a good kind of like ending point i guess like when you're drinking your water throughout the day how i mean am i supposed to go scoop the ocean and drink some salt water like what 
you know, how much seesaw, how frequently, how would you go about doing that? That's a tough question, I think. <laughs> but from from what I see with like kind of back to your point with the thin female, they almost always need that extra salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times they crave it and that's why. And so they're getting that signal. And so, you you know, you kind of have to play around with it. You know, everybody's a little different, you know, different body types. But even how much we need, some people are salt sensitive. Some people, mm. you know, myself, I, I love salt too, um, you know. So maybe I do still have that migraine kind of persona yeah. as a male. Um, but you do typically see it in females more. And so, yeah, I think that's a tough one. I would just kind of play around with it, you know, adding sea salt to your morning water at least yeah. most of your water have a little bit of something in it and see how you respond kind of see thing. How, yeah, yeah see how you feel if yeah. you're not getting migraines at that point you're probably around where you need to be yeah. um, how much salt you're adding to your food is going to play a role here too and so you know if you're salting your food with a lot of salt yeah. then yeah. you might not want to add too much to the water yeah you know but yeah, but hydration is a combination of h2o and the electrolytes right you know so we're, yeah, we're we need water. to hydrate that yeah because like <laughs> we can actually rob the body a little bit of if we're just drinking like a distilled water or you know yeah. reverse osmosis and we're kind of leaching some of those out yeah. but but yeah we'll kind of end it there and we'll continue next week with a lot of other good stuff surrounding migraines and and hopefully everybody got something key out of this to move forward with and and help others if they don't experience migraines hopefully they can you know spread this to their loved ones Absolutely. and yeah and we'll hit on some other big topics next week so you got anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. I mean, you made a good point. It's a little different for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, make sure if, as you're going about these things that you are kind of interacting with some kind of healthcare professional to make sure that, yeah, you're not just chewing on salt cubes or something because yeah. cause Dr. Damon, I'm going to put it on him, so that you need to add more salt in your diet. So, like, oh, yeah, I bought like a, like a yeah. deer salt lick, and I've just been, I've been going to town on it every day, and uh, now my blood pressure is like 300 <laughs> over 200, yeah. and you're exploding or something like that. You know, I just, yeah. it, it is important. It is very personal to everybody, and, and make sure that you are being monitored, and, and you're not totally just going going crazy trying out all these going ham on, yeah, on these salt. different things yeah absolutely well thanks for tuning in guys and we'll see you next week for part two i'm your host dr damon and i'm dr daniel nikens and we look forward to harmonizing your health find out more about harmonized health by visiting seedandsoilwellness.com if you have a topic you'd like covered email us at dr damon at seedandsoilwellness.com Follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast service to be notified when new podcasts are available. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use it as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own practitioner for any medical issues you may be having.